This is the Sunday Worship Podcast. Hello and good morning. Welcome to Sunday Worship here on Salvationist Radio. It's amazing to be here with you in worship. So our guest speaker today is going to be Cadet Ed Borrett, and he's going to be bringing us a message on the story of Jonah. The Bible reading is taken from Jonah 1, starting at verse 1. And this is from the message translation. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining those going to Tarshish, as far away from God as he could get. But God sent a huge storm at sea, the waves towering. The ship was about to break into pieces, the sailors were terrified. They called out in desperation to their gods. They threw everything they were carrying overboard to lighten the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship to take a nap. He was sound asleep. The captain came to him and said, What's this? Sleeping? Get up. Pray to your God. Maybe your God will see we're in trouble and rescue us. Then the sailors said to one another, Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's draw straws to identify the culprit on this ship. To who's responsible for this disaster? So they drew straws, and Jonah got the short straw. They grilled him. Confess. Why this disaster? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country? What family? He told them, I'm a Hebrew, I worship God, the God of the heaven who made sea and land. And that the men were frightened, really frightened, and said, What on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, the sailors realised that he was running away from God. They said to him, What are we going to do with you to get rid of the storm? By this time the sea was wild, totally out of control. Jonah said, Throw me overboard into the sea, then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me and you'll get rid of the storm. But no, the men tried rowing back to shore. They made, they made no headway. The storm only got worse and worse, wild and raging. Then they prayed to God. Oh God, don't let us drown because of this man's life and don't blame us for his death. You are God. Do what you think is best. They took Jonah and threw him overboard. Immediately the sea was quieted down. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. They worshipped God, offered a sacrifice and made vows. Then God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the fish's belly three days and three nights. It's really wonderful to be with you here on Salvationist Radio today. For the past few years, I've developed a serious love for the book of Jonah. In many ways, it became a part of my calling and the journey that led me to where I am today. Jonah is one of those books that many of us think that we understand pretty well, right? For those of us who grew up in church, it's a story that we will have heard from a young age. We will have seen many children's books telling the story with bright colours and fun pictures of sea creatures. Perhaps we might even have seen some animated versions. 
Tim Mackey, on his podcast Exploring My Strange Bible, refers to this as the vegetalesification of the Bible. On one hand, this is wonderful. We learn these stories from such a young age that they are almost embedded in who we are. The danger, however, is that we, if we fail to pick them back up as adults, we lose so much of the depth, the nuance and the challenge that's hidden in the text. This is certainly true for Jonah. And Jonah really lends itself to this sort of thing because the characters are so wacky and the story is so over the top. Everyone does the exact opposite of what you expect them to, and everything Jonah does is exaggerated and ridiculous. In some ways you could say that it is satire, pantomime, or maybe even the comic book of the Old Testament. We see this from the first line of the book, Jonah 1.1, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. To a Jewish audience, this already would have set up some expectations. There is a lot of information about what to expect in those short few words. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Ah, okay, a prophet. We know what prophets are like, that helps us out. And his name is Jonah, son of Amittai. Interesting. So Jonah means dove, the symbol of peace and salvation, and Amittai means faithfulness. So we have a prophet who is called peace, son of faithfulness. Perfect. And then straight away... God asks him to go to Nineveh, and he says, nope, and runs the opposite direction. What's going on there? It sets up expectations and then subverts them immediately, alerting us as the reader that we have a very different, unique book coming up here. I think one of the things that we miss in the vegetalesification of the book is the profound message buried in Jonah's motives. To understand that, we must dig a little into the context of the story. So God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was a major city in the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire was huge and incredibly brutal. One of the things that the Assyrians would do when they captured Israelite soldiers is that they would cut down trees from the area, sharpen them into giant spears and impale the prisoners on them, leaving them on the top of hills for all to see. And God is asking Jonah to go straight into the heart of this empire and preach to them. You can imagine the range of emotions that Jonah is flooded with here. Fear, confusion, and most of all, perhaps, hatred. He's been asked to go to the people that he hates most and to tell them about Yahweh. For me, chapter 4 offers the key to understanding this book. And in it, we see Jonah's anger bubbling to the surface. At this point in the story, Jonah has finally agreed to go to Nineveh. He's preached to the Ninevites with the bare minimum efforts, and somehow they've repented and turned towards Yahweh. And Yahweh forgives them. O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah's hatred of the Ninevites is so strong that he can't comprehend living in a world where God has forgiven them. He can't understand the sheer scale of God's mercy. As ridiculous as the character of Jonah is, I think that we often are all too similar. 
Whilst we may not experience oppression and terror at the hands of empire in the same way as the Israelites did at the hands of the Assyrians, I think there are, I think there are those that we perhaps consider beyond the reach of God's forgiveness. There are those that we may struggle to see returned into relationship with God. And we may even become angry with the God whose grace far exceeds our own. We don't often see this fourth chapter as the focus in children's books, but there is something crucial for us to understand here, that God's forgiveness will sometimes feel uncomfortable to us. God's forgiveness will sometimes feel too radical, too widespread, too extravagant. We can be quick to long for it for ourselves, but very slow to wish it for our enemies. The book of Jonah ends with God's reply to Jonah's outburst. Should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? We don't get to hear Jonah's response. The book seems to be inviting something here. We don't get to know whether Jonah finally understood, but we are invited to ask ourselves whether we finally understand whether we can come to terms with the God whose grace far exceeds our own. With the God who shows us his grace throughout scripture over and over again. With the God who took on flesh and died so that we, as well as those that we despise, may have everlasting life. I wonder who the Ninevites are in your story. I'd like to end with a poem written by Thomas Carlyle for an amazing collection of poetry called You, Jonah. And I think Carlyle does a good job here of summarising the challenge that the reader is confronted with by the conclusion to the book. It's called Coming Around. And Jonah stalked to his shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. And God is still waiting for a host of Jonahs in their comfortable houses to come around to his way of loving. I pray today that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Amen. Then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He prayed, In trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. 
he answered me. From the belly of the grave I cried, Help! You heard my cry. He threw me into ocean depths, into a watery grave, with ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Ocean gripped me by th the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as body can go and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me up from the grave alive, O oh God, my God. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God and my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, god frauds, walk away from their only true love. But I'm worshipping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promised I'd do. Salvation belongs to you. Dear God, help us to trust you with decisions and the future. Let us lean on you with all our hearts instead of relying on our own imperfect understanding. Give us clear guidance in our lives. Amen. Thank you again for joining us here on Sunday Worship on Salvationist Radio.